Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah? He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tonnes of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You've been forced. Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And again, I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd goes wild. (sighs) Applause all round. We've got the world famous, the most fabulous, the spunkiest, the most delicious, the most amazing, sweetest, kindest, gentlest man on our podcast show today. Please, everybody, get excited. Start cheering now. It's the amazing, world-famous Pete Evans. Welcome to the show. Yay. Oh, ladies. <laughs> thank you so much for a beautiful introduction. And uh, hello, to, hello to all the listeners. And uh, thank you for having me on your podcast today. This sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Pete, no pressure, no pressure, Pete, but there's 2.5 million podcast listeners that you just said hello to. No pressure, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Hi to all of you. Hey, Pete, it's such a treat to have you on the show. And as you know, for for many of us, when we first got to meet you live at the Wellness Summit a number of years ago, after watching you for many, many years on the show, um, particularly seeing you on television screens, I'd just love you to take us back to um, perhaps where it all began for you, your journey, what led you onto and into this wonderful health space. Just take us back and lead us to where it got you today. Sure. I guess uh, it's always funny recounting your life's history to, to people because I, I'm a firm believer that uh, we live in the present and we manifest our future. So, Going back in past is always a little tricky one for me, but I'll I'll keep it short. And uh, I was born nearly 45 years ago to my mother and father, which uh, Joy and Noel. And after a few years, they separated. And uh, uh, from being a child born in Victoria with uh, two older siblings, a brother and a sister, who my brother's nine years older and sister 12 years older. Uh, from that separation of our parents, everything sort of changed for the family dynamic. Uh, my mum married another another fellow and we moved up to Queensland, the two of us. And uh, at that point in time, sort of my brother lived with my father and my sister sort of moved out of home. So we had this really interesting family dynamic. And 
fast forward 10, 20 years, I got to witness a few more uh, separations on my mum's side and also on my father's side and saw the, the, I guess, the destructive nature that relationships can have. And it was, uh, I guess, it taught me a lot. And it's, again, still, still a journey in, in process. And uh, ever since all of those experiences shape who we are. So, uh, and still trying to peel back those layers of understanding my true authentic self uh, without, I guess, the, the influence so much of my own parents' fears and insecurities and other members in the family and our culture and also our environment. So it's been an ongoing, I guess, journey into oneself over the last 44 years. Uh, It was interesting because uh, one of my mentors and one of the people I see to help me along this this journey, uh, I was in his office the other day and I had a look at my book, so to speak, and uh, I've been having a chat with this fellow for 20 years. And it was like, I've known you for nearly half of my life. And, and through that, we've been working on uh, peeling back the layers of, of my true authentic identity as, as a, uh, a person in the, in, on this planet at this particular time. And it's, it's an amazing journey so far. And I, I, I often say it that I haven't even started. And I think that's a little bit wrong because... I don't know whether there's a start or an end or whatever it is. All we have is now. So um, I don't know whether that's answering your question or not. But uh, during these 44 years, I've, uh, I've learned some skills. Uh, one of them was uh, getting in touch with who I am. And I think that's probably the most important skill that we can cultivate. Um, as far as technical skills, I've learned how to uh, look after myself and uh, cook is probably one of the, uh, the skills that has generated me the most, uh, I guess, the most nutrition in my life. <laughs> and that was one of the reasons that I actually learned how to cook is because uh, I wanted to learn a life skill and cooking just made the most sense to me out of all of them. And, uh, and from that, we have um, managed to help I guess, uh, share some beautiful recipes for people to cook for themselves and for their families. And from that simple, I guess, uh, self-love of being able to cook for yourself and care for yourself, uh, we've managed to create uh, some massive changes. So it's, uh, it's been pretty cool to be able to learn that skill and uh, share that with so many people over the years. And apart from that, uh, learning to be a, 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 what it means to be a person in a relationship, in a loving relationship, a sexual relationship, in a, uh, uh, also to be a father and what that means and, and how best to navigate that. Uh, still coming to terms of how do you be a, a son with, uh, with parents that have limiting or their own limiting self-beliefs and fears and, and navigating that environment and... And what else can I tell you about? <laughs> That's probably it for now. That, that'll give you a, a, a little bit of a recap on my first 44 years. I think it's amazing. And I think what's so beautiful is that so many of us get to witness, you know, the, the television celebrity chef, I guess, and we get to see so much of you in the media, some good, and obviously we'd love to understand how you've dealt with some of the, the, the not so good out there. But from our perspective to find out the true Pete Evans is something that the three of us have always deeply admired in you and we have also very much appreciated your willingness to share that vulnerability about who you are and having had the privilege of marrying you and gorgeous Nick Pete I can honestly say that um, it would be an honor for all three of us to call you a dear friend and someone that we all look up to so on behalf of all of our listeners and everybody that listens for you I think we'd like to say a big thank you for taking it on behalf of the world really all the flack that comes your way for the way we all think and I just mm-hmm. personally would love to acknowledge you for being a trailblazer in the industry that the three of us are so passionate about so so thank mm-hmm. you for that thanks Kim yeah thanks, Kim. I- I thank you too, Pete. Um, you get so much flack um, and it's what many of um, the nutritionists out there, even dietitians, not all, but there are dietitians out there, integrative doctors, 
we're all thinking the same thing. You get all the flack. How do you deal with that? How, what do you do to, to you know, protect yourself from um, the cruelty that's out there? Uh, I don't know whether it's cruelty. I, 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 I wouldn't use that word. I, I would just think it is um, a little bit of fear or maybe a lot of fear and insecurity that it comes from. And, and, and that's completely cool. Um, it is everybody is allowed to have their own opinion. Everybody has free will as to how to think. Everyone has free will as to how they choose to live their lives. And if uh, people choose to, I guess, uh, as you say, the word flack, give me flack or write something that may be derogatory or, or not coming from a, from a, um, a good space, then that is also okay because, again, it is everybody's entitled to express themselves exactly how they feel. And I, I, I guess looking at it, and, I mean, I've been in the public eye now nearly close to 20 years ever since I first started on television, and, and television was never a goal for me. Uh, it was an opportunity that was presented to me and I said no the first time and when it was presented to me the second time I thought okay well there must be something in this for this opportunity to be knocking on at my door and I was like okay well it scares me uh being out in the public eye and for my own personal insecurities and fears it scared me and I decided that that would be something that I wanted to work on and address and hopefully get comfortable with. And it was only through many years of doing it, uh, the experience, but also many years of, of talking to different, different types of uh, therapists or mentors or teachers about how to best navigate that and how to get the most out of it for myself. And it was really about uh, what... I believe one of my strengths is is being able to, I guess, ask the questions to people, whether they're in the in the early days it was chefs, you know, I'd, I'd study chefs and I'd ask them the questions. Okay, so so you're one of the best chefs in Australia or the world. What is your advice to the home cook? And once I started getting into that role of asking the experts how to and how to, I guess, communicate that to the people at home watching uh, a cooking show, for instance, then I was really comfortable with that role because I can ask questions because I'm a curious type of person. And if they give me, uh, I guess, a, a description or some information that may be a little bit too technical, say in the chefing world or culinary world, I can probably decipher that and translate that into something pretty basic for the for the people at home so it doesn't seem scary for them. And I guess over the last 10 years, my direction has been more towards the health and nutrition side. And uh, I see the same, uh, my, my role in that is exactly the same. Let's ask the experts what they think and how does that translate to the rest of us? And I, I guess I see myself as a little bit of a bridge to that. Sometimes it's a shaky bridge because... <laughs> You know, and sometimes it's a little bit more steadfast. And, and, uh, but that's cool. Uh, I don't pretend to know everything or, or, or believe that everything that I've been told is, is correct. But um, I do like to talk to people. Originally, it was in the chefing world. I like to talk to people that create delicious food. You know, I don't want to talk to somebody that's not creating delicious food because what's the point? You want to share uh, something that's going to benefit somebody. And the same thing with health and nutrition now. I want to talk to the people that are actually getting results. Why would I want to talk to somebody that is not getting the results? Because what point is that for me to be that bridge or messenger to, to share information that's not going to help people? So they're the type of people that I, that I seek out. So, But going back to your original question about how do you deal with it, well, it's I believe everything is in balance and everything is as it should be. So when there is a negative article, for instance, if you could call it a negative one, what that does is it 
it is actually bringing awareness to the conversation that we're that we're having. Mm-hmm. And for instance, it could be about uh, what we're feeding our, our pets, or it could be about about uh, what type of water we're drinking or something about EMFs or, or the type of food that may be inflammatory for people. So once that information is sort of put out there into the mainstream, even if it's put out there in a negative way, it will still register with people that are reading that. And, you know, they might read it the first time and go, geez, that, that guy uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. He should stick to cooking or whatever the, 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 the normal comments are, which is cool. I, I understand that because we've all judged other people and we've all judged ourselves before and we've all judged people poorly in, at some particular time in our life. So we can relate to that. And then we've all had that realisation, oh, geez, maybe, maybe I was a little bit too, too quick in, in summing up that person. And we really shouldn't judge people anyway. We should just treat everybody equally as, as, as universal beings of light, you know. And so once the conversation is out there or the energy is out there, say, in the mainstream media, for instance, then three months later another article could come out. And there might be something in that article that that same person that was quick to judge or judged negatively, they might read something and go, hmm, that actually sounds, that's, that, that isn't exactly what the other person said in the last article or something about Pete or whatever they're talking about. So I'm a firm believer that the more that this is spoken about in mainstream media, the more beneficial it is for, uh, for people that read those type of things. And you have to understand the game as well. And, and the game for mainstream media is shock it is uh, sensationalist headlines it is clickbait it is division uh, we want people to uh, loathe or hate or despise or feel they're better than somebody else and once you know how the game works then you can have a little bit of fun with it uh, and for the people that just believe everything that they watch on the six o'clock news or read in the newspapers there will come be, there will come a time possibly, where they will go, hmm, maybe this just doesn't make a complete sense. So, but again, maybe people will come to that realisation or maybe they won't. That is not for me to, for me to decide and nor is it uh, something I feel responsible for. I had an experience uh, about a month ago. I was in San Francisco and um, I was doing some work with um, some, an entheogen, which is a uh, plant medicine. And it was, it was a beautiful experience for me. And after uh, a few hours of uh, being in this, in this uh, I guess, enhanced state, the, all of a sudden this, and if you've ever worked with plant medicines, all they are is uh, uh, beautiful teachers for us, you know, and we all have the answers inside of us. We all know how to navigate this world if we really take the time to to stop and listen and to ask ourselves the questions and and going into that ceremony my 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 intention was how do i uh create more love and freedom for myself and for others and all of a sudden throughout this experience this realization just came to me and it was you're not here, Pete, to help other people. You're not here to fix other people. You're not here to do any of that, that stuff because each and every person is, is completely accountable and responsible for their own decisions and their own lives. Stop trying to fix everything. Stop trying to be that person that, that you couldn't fix your family. You're not going to be able to fix the world. That's not your burden. That's not your job. All you need to do is just be yourself and express yourself and love yourself. And from that, that is all you need to be. And it was this, this great realisation, because for 44 years on this planet, I've been trying to fix everything in, in my family life and, and, and elsewhere. And it's like, oh, wow, I don't need to do that because I can't actually change the way people think because they've got their own processes to work through. So... Uh, so how do I deal with the flack? Uh, I just let it unfold as it's, as it's going to unfold. And I present my 
I guess, reality through my own social media, uh, which is a great medium to, to, sh- to communicate with. Uh, just, re- just this last week, I've shared two stories that uh, I was asked to do interviews with. And it's interesting because these media outlets ask you for, for an interview. And I know they're just after one line that uh, they can put into their story to, uh, to basically get their, have their agenda. And, but they do it in a way that they ask you 20 questions. So I answer all 20 questions and it takes a couple of hours of my time to do this. And then they end up just putting one of those questions in. So ideally it would be probably better if they just asked me that one question. <laughs> so it would take me two minutes to answer instead of hours. But uh, I've decided now every time this happens and every interview that I do from now on, I'm going to record everything and then share my answers to the questions that they asked. And even if they decide not to share that in their story, at least I can share that so that people can see uh, both sides of the story. So um, that's going to be an interesting experiment over the, over the coming years. And I feel good about that because, again, it's just sharing truth, my truth. Oh, I think that's a brilliant idea, actually. Um, I, I think everybody that's in the media, including you, Cindy, I think that's a fantastic idea to be recording the interview from both sides mm. because, you know, like when people are posting, um, let's face it, their own judgmental viewpoint and, you know, a, a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time it's uneducated. So if people knew better, of course they would do better and I think that there's an opportunity for people to become more educated when they do hear the whole story. It makes sense. Mm. They do good photos of you, though, Pete, I must admit, you know. <laughs> we just watch the photos, just don't read what they're saying. <laughs> it, it was like when, um, you know, the late, well, one of the ones that um, I got involved when was when the um, president of the AMA, the new president of the AMA, um, asked for your wonderful documentary, The Magic Pill, to be um, taken off Netflix. and. Uh, number one, AMA only uh, are twenty five percent of the medical doctors here in Australia. So they've, they're, you know, to me it was like, well, you're not representing the whole community of medical doctors out there. You're representing a very small amount. Um, but I just thought that he had no idea. I listened to him on radio. Remember, I don't know if anybody else knows, but I was asked by the ABC on the Sunshine Coast to to um, talk about what I thought about the AMA um, president doing it. I don't remember his name, but the president doing it. Then the president came on after me, and I know you were listening to it, Pete, but I don't know about you, but I don't think he really um, understood the question. And um, his answer was not giving us any facts. Um, and then, Pete, you came on afterwards and did a brilliant job, absolutely brilliant job. So yeah, the, I felt that it gave you the best advertising for your documentary. Your um, clicks must have gone straight up for that movie, did they? <laughs> well, it's on Netflix and they're not really uh, the type of organisation or company that likes to share their numbers, and yeah. I understand that completely too. But um, all I know is that we originally had a one-year deal with Netflix and after a month or three weeks of it being out, they've extended it to two years and they're putting it through all their territories around the world. So they're, they're going to subtitle it and everything. So I mean, Congratulations. I, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Oh, thank you. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Cindy, when you said maybe they haven't even watched it. And, and that would be my, uh, my belief uh, just based on, on what they've said and, and how they've said it because uh, every time they've spoken about the film, none of it makes any correlation to what is actually shown in the film. So uh, because we say work with your health professional, this is anecdotal, none of it says that it cures it and each and every person that's on the film is working with a doctor or health professional as well. So, mm. And I don't even feature in the film except for 30 seconds. <laughs> and they keep saying that I narrate it and I, I don't narrate the film. I, I think I speak for 30 seconds or one minute maximum in, in, in the entirety. Um, 
So again, and they talk about paleo, and we don't even mention paleo in there, but uh, it's, um, it, it, again, it is, you come to expect that from certain organisations or certain industries or certain mouthpieces for those industries that they are elected or in those positions because they best represent the interests of that industry. They don't represent the best interest of the public. They best represent <laughs> their interest to their shareholders or to their industry. And if you look at the Australian Medical Association, it is an industry. And that is basically a union that they have. And as you said, 40 years ago, they had 97% of Australian doctors involved in that uh, association. Now they have close to 25%. And, and that was the question that I put back to the, the journalist in the latest one. I said, by the rate that they're going, there will be no AMA in 10 to 15 years' time, or if not 20 years' time, and they are becoming more and more uh, irrelevant uh, whereas this movement or this understanding of health and nutrition is, I believe, in its infancy and it's only going to grow. So the, it, it's quite good that the, these organisations are, are putting their, uh, their, their flags in the sand or however you say that, uh, that term because it is really showing the truth and again, the people that are reading this and witnessing this, they all have friends that have all either adopted a paleo or low carb or a whole foods diet and seen the benefits for it. So, and that was the question I put back to them. Why do they see, why does the AMA see this film that promotes organic fruits and vegetables, well-sourced seafood and, and uh, holistically farmed animals as a threat where they're not lobbying against cigarettes, they're not lobbying against junk food commercials on television, they're not on television or on radio or in print, but for some reason promoting fresh fruits and vegetables and, and well-sourced meat and seafood is a warning sign for them. Well, let's, it's a warning sign for their industry. And again... The journalists never get to us, don't seem to want to ask those questions because, again, without going into the conspiracy theories, because I'm not one for that, but if you look at the advertising where it comes from for uh, these TV shows or whether it's uh, mainstream newspapers or magazines, they are littered, especially uh, magazines, they're littered with multinational food uh, corporations' advertising dollars and pharmaceutical dollars. So without those appearing, those magazines would no longer exist. <laughs> so mm. it all makes sense once you take a step back and, and see the game for what it is. And mm. we're all playing it in one way or another. And uh, at the end of the day, it's whether you play it right for yourself and your family um, while you've still got responsibility for, the, for your young ones. <laughs> then just play it for yourself and, uh, and, and share the information through your own channels if you choose to. Yeah, that's so true. Go back to something you said earlier, and, and I know food obviously seems to be the vehicle for which you communicate um, yourself uh, to the world, to your public, to your friends and family. But this, a couple of things you mentioned around your true authentic identity um, and, and being your best self and, and expressing yourself. I know a lot of our listeners would love to, to do that and to be that. And I know for many of us, we're all a work in progress to constantly live that. Have you got any advice to us all as to how we can be our true authentic identity and what that look, or is it a lot of work? Is it a flick of a switch? I know you've talked about mentors and teachers. Um, you talk a lot about self-love and they're all topics so dear to us. But ultimately, if I was sitting here in a world of pain and perhaps relationship breakups mm -hmm. or I was going through a tough time or a health crisis, what's your go-to when it comes to being your true authentic self? Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not sure whether people will like what I have to say, but you've created it all yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
you're, you've played the game and, and maybe you have played it in a way to this particular point in time that you're realising that you may want to play it a different way and or not, you know. Um, and, again, it, it is completely up to you how you play this game of life. Uh, how do you want to feel? How do you want to show up for yourself? How do you want to show up for others? Uh, and uh, I, I don't want to give anyone advice because that's not what I'm here to do. <laughs> advice is uh, not something that I, I, I choose to offer people. But um, uh, what I will say is that uh, it starts with a choice and we get to make so many choices each and every day. You know, I've made a a choice to come on here and have a chat with you, <laughs> with you women, because I have a lot of respect for you and I love what you do. Um, but at that same point in time, I've just left my wife for an hour and we also don't get a lot of time to share, um, share ourselves with each other because of my schedule. So, but this came down to a choice for me today. And once you can come to the realisation that each and every choice you make will have a direct outcome on your life and how you, how you grow from those choices will ultimately define who you are. So if you're not happy where you are at this particular point in time, then it comes down to you deciding what will serve you better, you know. And, and for some people, it, it can be just asking that simple question, have all my choices today served me the best or have they served other people better? Have my choices today been based around love of myself or around fear of what other people will think of me? or fear of potentially what I will think of myself. So uh, once you can start to, I guess, look at each decision, and it can be as simple if you want to, and this is why I uh, use food as, as a perfect vehicle. I believe the simplest way to create self-love for yourself is to cook yourself nutritious, delicious, anti-inflammatory food. And it can take as little as five to 10 minutes to create something like that for yourself and maybe a little bit longer if you're cooking for a few other people, but um, it doesn't have to be difficult. But that simple choice of nourishing your body with food that's not inflammatory will help create a world of difference mentally, physically, emotionally. And from that point, then you can start to look at other areas of your life if you think they are out of balance. And generally, the biggest one is your emotional well-being. And that can be a little bit trickier for people. Um, but once you start to decide those questions in your life, you know, when you wake up, what am I going to do today? Have you already planned? And out what you're going to do for the, from, from the day before. Am I going to wake up with the sun? Am I going to, have, I mean, for instance, my wife, Nicola, who I love dearly, you know, we sometimes wake up and have a tea ceremony together, you know, and that takes 30 or 45 minutes in the morning, but we wake up together and we go into that knowing that that's what we're going to do. We didn't today. I woke up early because I'm still on Fiji time, so I, I sneak out of the room and I go downstairs at 5 a.m. and I do a couple of hours of work on my computer because generally I find that uh, those early hours are when I'm the most creative. Um, so, but being able to not always plan things but create the space to ask yourself those questions. What am I going to do today? If I'm going to be with my family, what is still going to best serve me? You know, how do I navigate today by still being responsible for my children, depending on what age they are, but still showing up for myself. You know, the biggest issue that I hear mainly is that people put other people before themselves. 
People put other people's expectations on them before themselves because they don't want to be, they don't want to fear upsetting their husband, their wife, their, their spouse, their partner, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their children, their parents. And they do things that they do not want to do, which creates frustration, resentment, anger, uh, which then leads to other poor choices to compensate for that, to find more, more comfort in their life. And that could be eating that chocolate bar. It could be gambling on the pokies. It could be going down to the pub and having a beer with your mates or whatever thing it is to balance that out, you know, to give yourself something that you think you want, uh, but also probably is a little bit destructive. So I would just go back to really basics. What do I want? What are the decisions that I have to make today? What time do I have to wake up? What time should I be going to bed? Should I be watching three episodes of Netflix, binge watching something till 11.30 at night or midnight, when instead maybe I should go to bed tonight at 9.30 or 10 o'clock and wake up an hour earlier? Or maybe not even set the alarm and try to work out how I can uh, sleep with the, with the sun cycle so I don't have to wake up to a blaring alarm clock. Maybe tomorrow's the day that I start to wake up and I walk down and walk around the block. Maybe tomorrow's the day that I'm going to start to make that chicken broth that everyone's talking about that can help heal my gut. (laughs) Maybe tomorrow's the day that I'm going to forgive myself and maybe tomorrow's the day that I'll forgive other people in my family or my friends or my teachers or the person that did me wrong driving to work yesterday or my teacher that... uh, whatever it may be. So, again, I don't want to give that as advice, but uh, if we can be aware of our decisions and why we make our decisions out of fear or out of love, then I think uh, once you cultivate that muscle, then you will keep making decisions that will better serve you. And you won't always get them right. None of us get it right all the time because there's always a lesson in there. (laughs) uh, But if you're aware and you take full responsibility and full accountability of yourself and never blame anyone else. You can't blame your husband. You can't blame your wife. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame your children. You can't blame your job. You can't blame this, that, or the other because ultimately the reason that you're in this position is because you chose it. You chose every single step of the way. Pete, I'm hearing so much of what you're saying and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, the world knows you as, um, you know, the specialist in chef, as a chef, and they know you as a, as a TV celebrity and they know you as somebody who, um, you know, has a great passion for food and, and, and paleo and so on. I'm sitting here listening to you thinking, this man has a profound spiritual practice. He must have done or embarked on or enjoyed spiritual evolution as much as his own human evolution um, over the course of your 44 years. And I'm really interested to know, not from the perspective of you advising anybody, but I'm interested to know who you are as a spiritual being and what that means to you. And am I right? Because I'm hearing so many things coming out of your mouth that are profoundly spiritual and are beyond the human experience and you got me when you said there's only the now my ears pricked up and I went hang on a second (laughs) he thinks differently and I think that that's that's a side of you that um, the general public doesn't get to see well they could if they open their eyes uh, to a degree well, perhaps those journalists are not asking you the right questions. Welcome to Up for a Chat. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, you choose to see what uh, you want to see a lot of the time. So um, no matter how, how you present yourself, people will always see, see you through their own filters and sure. everything they see, see in others is a direct reflection of the, their own uh, fears, insecurities, identity issues. So, um, 
you know, and, and for some reason I seem to be in that position a lot and uh, I'm, I'm completely cool with it. But Pete, how do you know that? See, but um, talking, about, talking about spirituality, oh, uh, and again, I'm probably, you know, what I might say is <laughs> might it, might, mightn't be what you're expected to hear, but I'm not really spiritual in that sense. I actually don't believe in it. To a to a degree, I think we we you know I, I I love to look at the natural world around and uh, and for instance, do we having a cup of tea or a few bowls of tea with my wife in the morning is is it's quite profound time where we live on a farm and and during that I don't really meditate per se. I actually love to just watch nature and I guess you could call that. A form of meditation but I'm not doing the mantras so to speak or or anything like that but during our tea I'm actually quite in the present moment watching mm. the horses or watching the birds fly around or even our dog is just sitting on our laps and and watching that energy and um, just last week I had a week with my daughter Chile and we had a trip to Fiji together to go surfing and uh, long story short, but I invited both of my, my daughters. I said, I need to go over there for five days because I, uh, I needed to do a little bit of work over there and check on uh, the resort that we consult with. And I offered it to my two daughters. Chili's 13, Indy's nearly 12. And we just had a holiday there, our, our once-a-year holiday, eight weeks prior. And I said, I have to go. You both are invited along, but um, it's completely up to you because you're in school, school time. And, uh, and both said, no, nah, we'll stay at school. I said, no worries. I said, great. And then a week later, Chile said to me, she goes, you know what, Dad, I think I might come. And it was really surprising because I thought that uh, my little one, Indy, was going to come because Chile seems to be the more, she's in high school, so everything's pretty full on at high school in grade eight for her at the moment. But she was just like, you know what, I'm going to come away with you, Dad. And my little one, Indy, she's like, I'm going to stay at school. I've got my musical. I've got this on. I've got that on. And I was so proud, not even proud, proud's not the right word, but I was so um, so relieved to it in a, degree, you know, in a way that both my daughters were empowered to make their own decisions about what they wanted to do. And dangling the carrot of Fijian paradise is, <laughs> for me, that's all I need to be able to go away. I'm like, yeah, I'll go. But uh, my daughter's actually thought about it. And, and I think for Chile, it was a break for her from being that intense student at school that she wanted to balance herself. And Indy, who's a little bit more carefree, it was a chance for her to, to show that she was a serious student as well. So um, I know I've gone off topic a little bit here, but as a father, it was one of the the best moments of, of my life because it was like, cool, we're at that point now that they're them going back to the decision-making. They're making the decisions on what best will serve them on their journey and not just coming along for the ride with me. And uh, part of it is... Uh, I, 25 years ago, I studied Transcendental Meditation in Melbourne. I also did workshops with uh, uh, a group called Sri Chinmoy and also listened to different types of binaural beats and, and practiced meditation for many, many, many years. And I, and I do believe it is beneficial for us a, a thousand percent um, in one way, shape or another. And I think everybody needs to work out what benefits them the most. Is it sitting in front of a, a master looking at the photograph into their eyes? Is it uh, putting, some, putting on some music and headphones and getting into that binaural uh, holotropic breathwork or, or beats that you can put into your audio sound or using breathwork, like I said, holotropic breathwork uh, or just breathing exercises or is it exercise for people to get into that meditative state or is it, for me, I just love being in the ocean and witnessing nature, for instance, uh, and certain times I will go to bed and I'll put on an alpha brainwaves uh, recording and then which will go into then gamma at a certain peak time of, of sleeping uh, to help cultivate different different um, 
I guess, brainwave patterns for me, but I'm not super strict about those sort of things. And I've, I've done a lot of it, but now I sort of just tend to sit <laughs> and watch nature. I find that's uh, when I can, that's, that's my key or just being in the ocean. Um, but going back to the spirituality, I, I see animals just being themselves, you know, just going about and, you know, our dog wants to love, share love and affection and communicate that when we're, when we're around. We, I watch the horses in the paddock and they like to roll around and uh, eat the grass and, you know, and, and I've thought a lot about purpose over the last few years. Actually, I've been thinking about it ever since I was a kid, to be honest with you, because I really didn't like going to school. I found it a, a, a tremendous waste of time for me personally. And, and so we go into a larger thought pattern about what it means to be human and how are our societies and education and work life balance set up for us. And I still can't help but think it's not optimal for, for human beings that, that we've conf- complicated our lives so much, so much. And how do we just simplify our lives a lot more? And I think, again, going back to what you said about spirituality and being in the now, I think when we can take the time to just make it simple for ourselves, I think that's when we're at our most content or most happiest without too many distractions. And I think once you're starting to make those decisions about what best serves you, that then uncomplicates your life to a degree. Um, if you're in a bad relationship or you're in a, a job that uh, is not rewarding you, then you may need to make changes slowly, drastically, and completely up to you what best serves you best in your situation. But, yeah, I was speaking to someone in the surf the other day and, and they said, what do you do for work? I said, well, nothing really. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I get to have have a bit of fun with people, you know, and I, I get to travel the world. I get to hang out with, with good people. I get to eat good food. You know, I, I spent 20 years of my life working 80 to 100 hour weeks in a kitchen and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Uh, it, was, it was a very tough time for me and, and did I grow in that period? I don't think I, I did. I I had the belief that I had to work hard to to make it, and um, the only thing it made me <laughs> made me was unhappy, uh, sick, uh, frustrated, uh, a whole lot of things that didn't serve me right. Because we have this notion that we have to work hard, study hard, be hard, uh, sacrifice everything to get what you want. It's like, oh, actually, I think it's actually the other way around. <laughs> I think uh, we need to cho- choose the things that, that benefit us, do the jobs that benefit us. Uh, if we choose to do a job, whatever that may be, learn the things that benefit us and um, play the games that benefit us and be with people that benefit us. Um, and that's that's my it's not really a guru thing. Pete, I want to ask you, I mean, it's obvious that paleo has been good to you and Nick. I mean, if I ate what you ate and could look like Nick, I'd be actually really happy to do that. So obviously paleo is a good thing, but I also know that paleo is a word to you. And I would love for our um, listeners to understand truly that, Paleo to you is a term, is it not? And it's more that your love of whole food eating. Could you just explain to us a little bit, just going back into the food modality now, as to what exactly, when everyone talks about Paleo Pete, what exactly does Pete think of Paleo Pete? (laughs) (laughs) Funny question. Okay. (laughs) So, So Paleo is... A, a word that means old. As, as far as I understand it, it means old. And uh, what a great word. 
<laughs> it's old. And paleo eating means eating the way uh, that's very old to us as, as a species. And um, uh, the best way I can describe it in, in modern days terminology is that it's an anti-inflammatory diet. Basically, it takes away the most common, the most common inflammatory foods from for us being humans, which seem to work across the board for so many people uh, to improve their health. Uh, obviously, there was, there's going to be variances. Some people can't eat onions. Some people can't eat eggs. Some people are intolerant to, to garlic or nuts or seeds or nightshades and so be it. But at its, at its basic premise, uh, the dairy, the grains, the legumes, as we eat them these days, are problematic for people, whereas possibly once upon a time they weren't as problematic for people, but we probably didn't eat them in the quantities that we did. So um, all I know is that a diet of beautiful in-season organic vegetables and fruits and some beautiful well-sourced meat or seafood and eggs if you can tolerate them and maybe throw in some broth, which I've actually made, Nick and I made a chicken broth today with some leftover chicken carcass that we had from our roast chicken from two nights ago, which is making the house smell delicious. And, um, and some fermented foods, as you know, is, it can be really beneficial for our gut health. And, and if you stick to that, generally people improve their health immensely and lose a ton of weight or put on some weight if they're, if they're malnourished. So, and um, <laughs> it's funny, one of the most common things people say is we're losing weight, we're losing weight, we're losing weight, because it's usually the one thing they want to do. But then they start to lose weight, and I think they get to a point where they start to get skinny. And it's like, well, yeah, that's sort of our general identity is to be skinny and lean and sinewy and uh, that's that's sort of our default and people keep thinking that if they keep eating that way they'll disappear <laughs> so no you'll get to, you'll get to your sort of natural healthy weight and uh, trust me if, if if we disappeared I would have been gone many many years ago <laughs> from eating this way um, but it's 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 funny you know like here in Australia when I'm with my family and and I generally eat one to two meals a day. Like today I haven't eaten anything yet and it's, what is it, nearly four o'clock. And, um, but when I was in Fiji last week, I was surfing six to seven hours a day and you should have seen the size of my three meals a day that I was eating. They were huge, uh, but I was exerting a lot of energy so I could eat a lot of food. But generally when I'm in, in, in Sydney and, you know, I'm not surfing six or seven hours a day because I'm doing my other work. Um, I hardly do any exercise, so I hardly eat that much food. I just have one, one to two, as I said, really nice plates of food. So um, I guess I'm saying that because people won't disappear. If you want to put more weight on, then you can do a little bit of exercise, strength training exercise, and uh, eat more. <laughs> That's not rocket science. You just eat more and uh, make your plate bigger. Uh, but uh, just keep out the inflammatory foods if you if they cause you issues. So uh, paleo is just a word; it just means old, and and it's the best definition I found uh, because it was introduced to me as the anti-inflammatory approach, which seems to help so many people. And uh, I I don't even need to really talk about it. Like I've got a book coming out. The last three or four books haven't had the word paleo on the top. I don't think uh, I've got a, a, a book that celebrates vegetables coming out because there's a huge vegetarian movement at the moment and vegan movement, which is it can potentially be uh, problematic for the coming generations. I, I do believe, um, but so that my book is to celebrate vegetables, but, but in the introduction to it, I'm like celebrate these beautiful vegetables, whether it's season, or these are hundred recipes, hundred thirty recipes of how to cook them, but I would team them with a side of meat or a side of seafood or a side of eggs because that's, that's what's going to give us the, the beautiful fats and, and help us out and you don't need to be eating a ton of meat and that's what a lot of people think paleo is and it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's a heap of meat. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty well balanced. So um, I hope that answers your question about paleo. Yes. 
It does, it does. And I think um, for many people, the misconstruction or misconstruing of it, should I say, is around that it's lots of meat and it so isn't. And I think giving you the name Paleo Pete doesn't necessarily um, describe our beautiful Pete Evans in the way that we three know him. I know we're coming towards the end of the podcast um, and I know the other two have probably got more questions, but something that's very dear to my heart is the topic of self-love. And if you could give us one piece of advice, I know you've said about getting in nature and all of that, but really and truly, what does self-love mean to you? I think a, um, a good friend of ours, Helen Patteron, summed it up. Uh, up on stage and I'll always remember it. So she said, she said, find something that you love to do that, that doesn't require anybody else's input. <laughs> and uh, that's always stuck with me that um, I think a lot of people may not do that for themselves. And, and that's why I love surfing and, and surfing's always been, uh, I've been doing it since I was 14. I came to it quite late as a, as a child, uh, but I've been, doing it for the last 30 years and I love it more now as and I'm better at it now than I've ever been in my life and I hardly do it anyway <laughs> like I might surf once every fortnight for an hour uh, but I do have a nice trip away every year so I can really immerse myself in it for a week um, and for the last eight years I've been pushing my daughters into waves so I haven't really been getting on the board too much myself and um, but it is one thing that I love to do and I can do it with other people, which is great, whether it's Nick and she comes for a surf, my wife, which is fantastic and that's a joy, or my kids or my friends, but it's something that some mornings I just really like to think, hey, I'm going surfing now because it's four or five foot out the front and it's going to be good. I'll see it in a few hours, you know, and you could, my smile is equally as big as when I'm taking the kids or Nick out for a surf as in when I'm driving to the beach by myself and I've just got this uh, hardly any expectation except that I'm going to do something that I love and, you know, that just fills me with so much joy and, and that resonated when Helen said that. Find something that you love to do and try to do it as often as you can that doesn't rely on other people's input. And for some people that could be drawing, it could be singing, it could be going to the movies, it could be getting a massage, it could be going to the park, feeding the birds, whatever it may be. You know, and I, I don't like to put things in other people's uh, thoughts. But uh, whatever it is, and everybody knows what it is that they love to do. And if you don't know, then go out and try 50 different things. Try flamingo dancing, try learning the violin, try uh, going on a hike, try whatever it may be to pick up ping pong <laughs> and, uh, and, and have a go. You know, you, you'll only know once you have a go. I think you've given us some really um, awesome Things to think about, but also too, Pete, I love how, you know, everything that you've shared with us today has been very much your perspective and you've really, um, and, and I heard this really early on in, in the podcast where you said you've kind of given up the need to teach, you know, because everybody is responsible for themselves and what you've really exemplified here today is how you've taken responsibility for your own uh, joy, bliss, experiences, and, of course, obviously, you know, being there for your family is a massive thing. So congratulations to you. And I think that for everybody listening to today's podcast, I think that when you see Pete on telly, now hopefully you'll all start to feel like you know him a little bit better, you feel a little bit more connected to him. And, you know, if you do see stuff in the papers that, you know, is questionable or is is judgmental or anti-fun you know you might <laughs> you might think twice about it knowing who Pete really is mm -hmm. and knowing that the real man that sits behind the scenes so Pete thank you for sharing yourself with us and thank you for being so open and bringing such um such a very profound and simple and um wonderful message to, to our listeners and to our podcast it's been an absolute treat to sit and listen to you today Thank you so much, everybody. It's, uh, it's been great to talk to you and hopefully the listeners, listeners um, enjoy this podcast.
us. For uh, sure. Or not. If anybody wants to follow you, Pete, is there any way that they can follow your journey and what you're up to and where you're what, where you're going? Is there a way? Sure. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm probably the most active on Instagram and Facebook. So it's either Chef Pete Evans or Pete Evans Chef that's on there. Um, we also have our ten week program called the Paleo Way that. Uh, uh, I've done with dear friends Luke Hines, Helen Patter and Nora Kigaudis and Trevor Hendy as well. And that is completely free at the moment for as long as I can keep that for free for. So that's at thepaleoway.com. So that has everything you need to know to a degree about what paleo is. And uh, um, have a look at it. You can go on the website and, and basically explore. Uh, my, my advice, and this is my advice, is to read everything and watch everything uh, before you even attempt to cook anything uh, because I think uh, true empowerment comes from information. Uh, and if you are wanting to think about changing your diet, uh, you can choose to do it slowly or you can choose to do it quickly. Uh, if you choose to do it slowly, my recommendation is one meal different a week. Uh, get that perfect. It could be a chicken soup. Uh, with some beautiful in-season vegetables. Uh, the following week, do two of them, uh, chicken and vegetable soup and something else. Um, or if you want to do it 100%, just go for it. <laughs> but it's, it's completely up to you and what best serves you best in your current situation for yourself and your family um, and what works best. So check that out, Facebook, Instagram, uh, I'd love you to watch The Magic Pill, which is on Netflix. You can also see it on iTunes. You can watch it on Vimeo. Uh, and it is also on pay-per-view on YouTube as well. Uh, we will be, I'm in talks at the moment with Netflix and other people to work on the second documentary, which will more encapsulate the expansion of consciousness and understanding who we are. So it won't take on a food-related uh, tone this time, even though we'll probably talk about gut microbiomes. <clears throat> Sorry, we'll talk about our gut microbiome a little bit more on this and how that affects our consciousness and our ability to achieve higher states. So that'll be a, a fun adventure that um, I'm looking forward to. And if people thought uh, paleo was controversial that wait till they see this one. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> it's a real lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see this one. Yeah, yeah sounds amazing. I was actually just reading about a whole bunch of stuff with Elon Musk and the Burning Man. Have you read, have you had a look into all of that stuff, Pete? And how they get their fantastic ideas through other uh, states? Uh, I'm, I'm aware of it, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, um, it's it's um yeah, I, I think there's a there's a huge awakening happening at the moment. Well I won't say huge, I will say there's an awakening happening uh across the field and it feels like it's the same people that were bringing in the uh the food um side of things for for the for the masses, it feels like and different thought leaders are really being attracted to these um uh, different types of expanded states of consciousness. I think it's the time for humanity to to uh, take the next step uh, because we need to. <laughs> and uh, and there is a, there is a massive uh, groundswell occurring of people, you know, recognizing that that's necessary because what we're doing isn't working. So I think it's I think it's yeah, very correct. Spot on. Mm. Awesome. Well, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we can talk about that next time. Oh, sounds great. Definitely, Pete. I would absolutely love that. And the people that you interviewed and, yeah. So let us know when it's coming out and let's put you on up for a chat for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank, Thank you, guys. For giving us you for an hour. We loved having you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm making up to it. <laughs> so for all of our listeners hopefully you guys have loved our podcast today with the amazing pete evans please go to our facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat you can also post all of your questions and your comments at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat 
So join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we are going to see you on the ride. Bye, everybody. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. The only lesson is ever going to be your learning. That's it. As long as you're learning, that's your lesson. When you stand in front of the mirror, the talk, the things that go on between these ears in the morning can also be what sets you up for a day. And if you've beaten yourself up for not being the most extraordinary person that you can be, then start now. We make it hard for ourselves. We make things difficult for ourselves because we go and apply a whole bunch of stories and a whole bunch of drama and a whole bunch of I'm not good enough to the things that occur in our lives. Wake the heck up. Today is a new day. And here's where it can change. Kim Morrison and Karen Smith feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.